I'm Mark Winstein, founder of Vegan Launch, and I'm with SoFlow Vegans. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. On this episode, we have Mark Winstein, was the founder of Vegan Launch. Now, Vegan Launch is a business community dedicated to designing and financing companies that serve the environment, human health, and social equity while helping expand compassion for all beings. This was a great conversation. We talked about the various ways of securing funding for your vegan venture. This includes venture capital, angel investors, crowdfunding, and we also went over some important information that you need to know as a business owner or maybe as someone who's looking to start a business. So definitely an episode you want to listen all the way through as well as checking out our special segment that you've probably gotten used to if you listen to the previous episodes in this season We pick a song that deals with the vegan lifestyle, you know, the vegan movement and we share it with you. And this time we have a pretty big group providing one of the songs for this episode. So tune into the very end to find out who that artist is, just in case you're not able to pick it up. So with that being said, check out today's episode and thank you for listening to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the SoFlow Vegans podcast and today, we have Mark Winstein from Vegan Launch, an exciting project that I, I wa- definitely want all of you to hear about, but we're also going to be talking about his background as well as a lot of other interesting topics. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. So we have a tradition here at the SoFlow Vegans podcast where we always want to know about your journey, your vegan origin story, our plant-based origin story. So how did you what seeds were planted in your life to grow you into this path? Well, uh, I'm 61, and in 1970 was the first Earth Day at age 10. So that's when I became an environmental activist. And I spent my whole life looking at how it is that people can be so irresponsible with the planet. And I'm just going to zoom through that and just say I started for-profit companies. I co-founded a national environmental group in Washington in the 90s that was pretty successful, to be honest. But after that, I thought, you know, we really need a new way of organizing. And I set out to raise an ecological investment fund that the general public could be involved with because the public has been left out of the big decisions in our culture for over 80 years, close to 100 years. And that was hard. I spent 10 years attempting to boot that up. It didn't work. I did some consulting for five years. And then I found myself in a very strange situation that um, my energy was just really low. And I started watching YouTube and I started, and I was eating a mostly plant-based diet, but still dairy and eggs. And I heard some guy say, why you're tired on a vegan diet? And he just laid out the science and the science. And then one day I saw a video of what happens to the male chicks in the 
egg industry. And I thought, my God, I've been a part of this. And I realized that I would be healthy if I didn't eat any animal products. And we're deeply conditioned that somehow we're going to die. I never really liked the idea of killing an animal to eat, but I thought, well, I don't want to die though. So what should I do? And I just basically postponed that whole thing. I think a lot of environmentalists are in that same boat. Well, anyway, once I realized the science that I was actually making myself sick by eating animals, then I started going, then I went vegan. It was September 1st, uh, 2016. And I was just focused on healing different parts of my body and it worked really well. And my energy popped up. I started rock climbing with my kids at age uh, 56. And so my life was like starting to come back. And that same year, 2016, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the Congress changed the rules for investing, allowing the general public to now invest in startups in a way that hasn't been possible since 1933. And this, and about a year into my vegan life, my my uh, thought process is like my whole existence was getting so much better. I thought, you know what? I could actually do what I've tried to do before, but on a shoestring. And I and I thought about it for a while, and I decided I would become an entrepreneur again and boot up a whole different way of essentially financial organizing. But so that's that's how I went vegan, and it's been the best decision I've ever made. And I. You know, when you look back, it's like these solutions have been out for a long time. Both of my parents suffered from illnesses caused by eating animals. And I really wanted to develop the financial capacity to create uh, plant-based health clinics and all kinds of ways to solve the problems that are being caused by animal agriculture. And that's what Vegan Launch, we're, we're doing it. You know, it's still very much a startup, but Right now, the public can go to Vegan Launch and invest in two companies that have gone through our mentoring program. And everything now is about increasing the velocity and increasing the the scale of what we're doing. And, and that's the perfect segue into Vegan Launch. You've talked about it a little bit, but it's this is a really cool concept. I mean, a lot of people are looking to gain funding and generate funding for their business. They have a new idea. And they don't know where to go to. You know, you have the usual suspects, but I love the idea of there being something specifically focused on these sort of businesses. So you touched on it a little bit. So what what motivated you to not just use what everyone else is using, but to go ahead and create something for your own? Like I said, you mentioned a little bit of it, but go more into depth for our listeners. Right. Well, it, well what motivated me really is uh, during the 90s, I was very successful as an activist. And activists basically communicate. And I saw that just through my words, I was able to have a big impact on billions of dollars of cash flow through the government. And uh, a campaign that I led caused President Clinton to reverse a terrible environmental law that he had only passed the year before. And And so I was really looking at scale. How can we increase that. And so, so talking works, movements create markets. The challenge is that at a certain point, a lot of times the movement people are not ready to do the next 
go to the next level. And so all that energy gets absorbed by the status quo. And now you get a situation where like Tyson food, they've got, you know, plant-based protein. And I'm not going to go into that whole market itself. I mean, we get enough protein from plants. We don't really need synthetic protein. But anyway, why is there plant-based protein? Because of the vegan movement. What are they doing with their money? They're investing in new chicken slaughterhouses. So that kind of thing is kind of sucking the energy out of the, you know, it sucks that economic energy right out of the movement and back into something that's totally antithetical. And if we really want to look at communication, we need to look, go back to like McDonald's, which was formed in 1955. And there were hamburger joints before McDonald's. What they did differently was raising capital for mass marketing. And mass marketing is our cultural education in the West, not the schools. The school, in fact, a lot of the school curriculum is designed by the animal industry and the, and the energy industries. Um, you know, so much of our education is shaped by these status quo industries. But the point is, if we want to reach parity, if we want to actually solve problems, we need to be able to communicate at a larger scale than is possible through purely charities and grassroots alone. Now, the fact that veganism has created markets means there's all kinds of market opportunities. And we're, we're aware of 2,000 vegan companies wanting to raise capital. Now, when they raise capital, that means they'll be able to market their ideas about transforming the economy, like both of our companies that are online right now are raising, one's called Vegan Wines and the other one has a brand called A Vegan Beauty. So they're using marketing to educate people about veganism in a way that can't be done on a charity budget. They can scale both. One of them is trying to transform a $400 billion market and the other, the beauty industry is a $600 billion market. So the amount of messaging and cultural training to transform just those two little sectors is very, it's quite vast and can really get the word out much faster than we can get with the, the, the charity model alone. And we expect that charities will become advisors and consultants to us because they know how to message. They just don't have scale. So you mentioned the markets of the wine and the beauty, but what is the, you know, when I look at, you know, markets like crowdfunding and things of that nature, how do you guys solve for that with what you're creating so that it actually is going to be supporting the people who sign up for the program? Right. Well, um, well, a couple of ways. First of all, we have to understand that before 2016, there was no investment crowdfunding in the United States. So it was pretty much impossible for average people to get together to financially invest in companies they believed in. Now, because of that, and because of the Securities Act of 1933, basically ending free speech around capitalism, that led to the rise of the venture capital firms. So we have a small handful of venture capital, vegan venture capital firms. I mean, they're all good people. I know a lot of them, but that whole model is very, it's like a bottleneck for capital. And they're only funding about one in 200 companies that apply for capital through them. And meanwhile, 
if we look at the broader market, like the global stock market, just stocks, we're not talking about currency exchanges or, or, or uh, real estate investing, just publicly traded stocks, that's $100 trillion of investing. And environmentally-minded people, about 34 million of them, control $30 trillion of publicly traded stock. And vegans, as a sub-niche of that, about 4 million vegan investors control $3 trillion. So my big message is there's no shortage of money. And I've known this for 20 years. It was just very, it's very, it used to be very expensive to access the public market of capital. So with investment crowdfunding, and there were recent updates just this past March that really improved the whole thing. Um, people can start raising capital literally within a few days of joining our program, at least getting the thing in order. Where in the past you had often tens of thousands of dollars of legal costs up front. So the cost to raise money is going down. And what's really left over is just marketing. Now, in terms of marketing, that's still the hardest thing we're working to solve. There are we're building our own uh, professional deal marketing service. And at the same time, we have our own mailing list of people. And we're what we've just recently added is a whole community. So Vegan Launch is like its own private Facebook for people to come in, get educated, work together as a community to fund the companies that we want to grow. But because of the way public marketing works, if our little community can put, say, the first $100,000 into a company, they can raise millions from the general public going forward all the way up to $80 million, um, you know, step by step and even beyond. And they don't, so we don't, they don't need the venture capital funds. I'm not against them. It's just that our dependency on VC funds has been actually the cause that we can't solve large scale problems because the public has no idea what's going on. They, they look at Wall Street and they see, oh, there's one vegan company, Oatly. That's it. You know, Beyond Meat is nominally a vegan company, I guess. You know, it appeals to vegans. And there's a few other little ones on like the Toronto exchanges. But fundamentally, if we look at the stock market as a grocery store, there's no vegan products on the shelf or one or two now. And yet there's thousands of people of vegans trying to solve the world's problems who are, who are seeking capital. So that's how we're solving that problem, building a community that can get these companies, you know, prepared to grow and then raise as much money as we want from the general public that is hungry for these deals. You know, so we'll get the early adopter vegans, some early adopter environmentalists. When we have a community of $10,000, we'll be able to move more money than Goldman, excuse me, when we have a community of 10,000 individuals, we should be able to move more money than Goldman Sachs by using these principles. Now we can solve climate change because everyone's sitting on their hands, the government, the corporation, they're all trying to moderate because they're, they're trying to protect their sunk assets. And we really need to move a lot faster. We need to, we're going to, have to give up the old. We can't just like try to milk it. That's really what's going on is that, but you know what? My message to everybody who's hearing this, if you do nothing, at least go vegan. Like that's the least we can do to solve climate change and a hundred other problems. Just stop eating animals. Like whether you invest or not, 
you know, and whenever anybody's talking about the environment, this was my discovery. I realized that the vegan ethic underlies so many problems, health problems, environmental problems, social problems, mental illness, just stop eating animals. That's If you do nothing other than that from watching this video, I'll consider that a success. If you want to do more, of course, join Vegan Launch. We have a, a free membership, and those who want to do more pay a little bit every month. So for people who just heard everything that you're saying, and they're like, wow, this sounds like it's just for me. Can you give us a little taste of what they can expect in terms of the process of getting approved or like, I don't even know what that process well, is. Well, when you're talking about approval and things, now we're talking about founders and everyone, you see, we've been trained so wrongly for so long that we're supposed to go out and now we're never going to stop making some choices, but there's this thing called vetting. This is why one venture capital firm leader said she had reviewed 1700 pitch decks and only ended up funding six. Now, you can't tell me that those 1,694 other vegan founders are just losers who don't deserve to be funded and have a chance. And I've, you know, I started my first company at age 23. I know what it takes. People are at different stages. So we'll call it, first of all, it's one community because the minimum investment to participate is just $100. So everyone's in that community. I mean, if you don't have $100 to invest ever, then you probably shouldn't be in this community, you know? But most people who are seeing this video who care could invest $100. So let's talk about the community experience. Again, we're trying to build a community that understands. What do people not understand? They, they're, they're always trying to pick stocks. They're trying to pick winners. Vegan Launch makes winners. I mean, here's a really, it's always a timely story. People don't realize this. Mahatma Gandhi, that when we think of him speaking to millions of people at a time, you know, from a, a stage in India, you know, with giant, you know, vast people in the audience. But when he was set to give his first speech, he was so afraid, he didn't even, he couldn't even say it. He gave his speech to somebody else to read and he sat there quietly. So everyone is has leadership potential built into that's part of being a human being. We have this ability to be a leader. So vegan launch cultivates that leadership. And also nobody is born understanding finance. Most of the people who come into our founder mentoring program have no idea how to raise capital. They're usually running their businesses pretty well. I mean, most of them have sales, although that's not required. So we're teaching the founders the ABCs of finance so that they can be, look at their company like an investor would. Now, if you apply to a VC firm and they tell you no, they're not going to train you and tell you how to succeed. You just get a no. That's all you get. And that doesn't help anybody. So we have online e-learning programs. The first one will be up this week. It's called Capitalism for Activists. So what I want, I want activists to add a new dimension is understanding a public venture capital. That's what we're really doing until really this year. And a little bit before we were stuck in what's called private venture capital, which is all very secret with public venture capital, the general public can get together and decide what companies are going to start. So does that mean every single founder that's going to come in is going to succeed? No, but really we, our program is very straightforward. We help them identify 
Should they raise capital? Like, is their company the right kind of company for capital? And then if so, then we just give them the steps. You know, raising capital is a leadership thing. I've raised millions of dollars of, of money uh, from charity as well as capital. And I've helped other people raise hundreds of thousands of capital since I started Vegan Launch. And the thing about raising capital is it's a big responsibility. It's one thing to sell. I don't know. You know, if you're selling a vegan product, you don't have to be that engaged with your customers. I mean, you of course, you love your customers. But when you raise capital, that's a long-term relationship. They're not going away. You know, they're not brand shopping. They're, they're on the same team as you. So there's a, a, some leadership growth. People have to kind of get ready for that level of commitment. And the, the money flows into that commitment, basically. And, and, and I do want to go back a little bit onto something because we're getting to the financial conversation. It's, it's, it's a conversation that carries a lot of energy with certain people for various right. reasons. And at the same time, it's at the heart of being able to grow and the scale and operations. Like we're going through that similar situation with SoFlo Vegans where we're looking at, okay, how do we scale this? How do we grow it? How do we continue to build on what we created? So this is, I'm glad we're having, I'm able to speak with you. I definitely feel like this is yeah, for sure. even good for us. So in 2016, you said the rules shifted and changed that made this all possible. I didn't even realize that, you know, now that I'm looking back out of a lot of the stuff that's in this space. No, you would not know. Even most of the VCs have no idea what I'm talking about. Most of the vegan VCs have literally no clue about how to raise money from the general public. And they're, I'll talk about that later if there's time, but there's a huge opportunity for them, for any high net worth individual or, or fund manager to massively leverage their assets. This We're talking about massive leverage here to get to the scale necessary to solve these huge problems. So can, you, can we just go a little bit into what happened in 2016? Like what exactly was the, I guess, the legislation and what other impacts has it had that maybe we didn't connect the dots to? Great. Well, okay, to understand 2016, first you have to understand a brief history of U.S. capitalism. So before 1933, the U.S. had something called laissez-faire capitalism, which meant anybody could raise money from anybody else and there were no laws. And the rule was buyer beware. So raising money was just a business contract. I give you money and I get ownership in your company. And that was just a private thing between founders and any individuals that wanted to invest. Um, then there was the great, so that allowed capital to flow very freely and you had the roaring 20s. Well, the roaring 20s ended with the Great Depression and people of various reasons decided that we need to have control over the flow of capital. So there's this thing called the Securities Act of 1933 and that made public offerings and others speaking publicly to people you didn't know already became illegal. And there were various exemptions from those rules, but in order to follow those exemptions, you had to be wealthy enough to pay. Now you need securities lawyers to follow these rules. And when I got started in this in 20, in 2001, if you want to raise $50,000, you need at least $50,000 in legal fees. So that meant raising capital now was out of reach of the average American and only within reach of the already wealthy. So that's 
Now, so we're talking from 1933, and then in 2012, there were a lot of people saying, you know what, we're not going to make it as an economy if, you know, entrepreneurship is going down. It's so hard to raise money. People can't start businesses. And we always get a lot of breathless news from Silicon Valley. It looks like all kinds of things are happening. But if you're not basically in Silicon Valley or New York or maybe a few other hotspots, no way you're going to raise capital. You know, it's just it's just so hard to do it legally and you can't talk. Well, people in 2012 said this is not going to work. And the Congress passed something called the Jobs Act. And the Jobs Act created this new new concept, which is public advertising, but into a non-trading stock. So before 1933, if you raise money from the public, you also had to trade on the public boards. And trading stock is its own disaster. You know, you've got short sellers, all kinds of stock manipulation. So this new idea that you could advertise, but not have to trade and just let the general public engage in a in a in a, a, a non-liquid asset, these private companies, they don't trade very easily. And that resulted in a, three new rules. Uh, one rule allowed you to advertise, but only accept investments from accredited investors, which is basically a millionaire uh, or people that make two or 300,000 a year, an individual or couple. That was the first rule. So that cracked the door open for public advertising. Then there was this thing called regulation crowdfunding and regulation crowdfunding said, open the door to anybody, but it had to be done on a site, on a website that is overseen by the Securities Exchange Commission. So there's about 60 or 70 of those websites in the U.S. now, and we're, we're partnered with one called WeFunder, and they handle all of our legal compliance so we can focus on the deals. When the deals are ready, they work with WeFunder, and that's our essentially the marketing platform for the deals themselves. Um, so suddenly, by 2016, that's when this idea that, that anybody could invest as little as $100 in a startup and that kind of grew out of Kickstarter, which is not an investment platform, it's a gift platform. So investing in gifts are regulated very differently. And now people can actually buy equity in a company for as little as $100. Uh, so that was the, the rules of 2016, worked pretty well, but there were some weaknesses. And then those got upgraded and uh, the new rules became effective on March 15th of this year. So for example, uh, before March of this year, you could only raise a million dollars on a crowdfunding platform. Now you can raise up to five. Five million is a lot of money. I mean, it's enough to get something really going. And a million is also a lot too, but it's it's really about lowering the cost of raising capital. And so the cost to raise capital has just gone way, way down. And that's a really good thing for anybody. Now, we're also happy to work with somebody. Maybe you just want to raise $50,000 to you know, start a food truck. We can do that too. So this is not only about things that are going to skyrocket. There's a rationale for investing in anything that moves veganism forward. So um, really any founder that has a vision, however much capital they need, we've got the path. The hard part, it took me the first 10 years to really understand how these laws work, then watching from the side. And then when these new laws came to place, weaving that all together. So if we think of all these thousands of vegan entrepreneurs trying to learn finance on their own, mm -hmm. that's just 
like centuries of labor wasted on learning something. So Vegan Launch is a central place. We guide people through the steps. Now they're legal. And again, it's all down to marketing at this point. There's, you know, no legal fees are required to do our process. You might need a little bit of bookkeeping. If you don't have a corporate entity like an LLC or a C-Corp, a couple thousand dollars more for that. And even people from other parts of the world can raise capital through our methodology now. So if you've got a company in Europe and you want to raise in the United States, we've got the path for you right here. That's, and I'm listening, I'm like listening, like, <laughs> with you because it's, I'm soaking it in because I'm literally in this space right now. Um, one of the things that I am coming up against is not knowing exactly what's the right structure for me because I have right. tossed around the idea of not the, as far as business structure, LLC and what have you, but in terms of the, the fundraising and if I want to do have individual like give off pieces of the organization for people to purchase at a hundred like is that stuff that's all covered as i'm coming into the platform or how does that work so i i feel comfortable knowing what i'm yeah, what, what you're talking about is well first of all the major forms of financing are debt and equity and so there's a that's the first choice should you borrow if you want you can borrow from the public or should you should you sell equity in your company? And then equity becomes a question of the right valuation. And people don't really understand how startups are valued. It's not the same as companies on, who are trading on the NASDAQ. They're so huge. They, and and that's a very liquid market. So we help people understand, because most people think they're going to sell off their company. They're afraid they're going to lose control. There's a whole, because, and again, I'm not sure I should take the time to get uh, you know, I do a class here on that, but I'll, I'll say the main agreements, there's ownership, there's governance, and then there's the agreements with workers. So if you're the CEO of your company, you'll be involved in the governance, the ownership, as well as the labor and how that ownership is divided. But really what happens is you, you're, it's not really divided, you're adding something. Like, let's say that you value your company at a million dollars for the purpose of raising money, and then you add another $100,000 from outside investors. Now the company's worth a million plus 100,000. So you didn't sell off your company. You added, right? Because a million plus 100,000 equals 110 is 1.1 million, right? It's, you don't sell off 10% of the million. You, you add 10% to the overall value, because that money is just straight value. Um, and so it, by understanding that one principle, you can begin to see how step-by-step step you allocate ownership. And then there's issues about legally how to allocate governance. Like a lot of people don't realize Jeff Bezos runs Amazon. He only owns 10% of the stock. How can he do that? Because you would think he's now just a minority. But his stock votes 10 votes per share and everyone else gets one because that's a governance issue. So even though he only physically owns by value 10% of the company, by governance, he, he owns, you know, he probably has at least 50% voting block. So you see what I'm saying? This is, these are issues that we understand and we discuss them with the founders and we decide what kind of company do you want to have? And and most most investors in the early stage do not want to run your, you know, 
they don't want to run your business. The investors want you as the leader. Like, we know it's all high risk here, right? Think of all the things that could happen to you in the small company, right? There's no one to take your place. You get hit by a bus. It's kind of game over, right? So that's the risky side. And, but because it's only $100, people are minimizing their risk. You don't need to write, you don't need to get a $100,000 check from one person to raise a hundred thousand anymore. You can, you know, you get a thousand people at a hundred dollars or, and then you got a hundred thousand that way. So, uh, so yeah, but anyway, if you sign up for the mentoring program, you'll go through the mentoring process and it's designed to get you raising capital as fast as possible. The more difficult issue everyone faces is actually marketing the deal. And, um, you know, we're working on creating something called a first check fund because we're here to solve those world problems. And even each individual founder trying to raise money on their own, that's another, um, you know, that's another thing that's slowing down the vegan progress and the transformation of cultures. So right now, you know, people who get in are going to, it takes time. It doesn't take much money, but it takes a little money. But the harder part for a lot of founders is it, it still takes time, right? We're not just handing out checks. And so the temptation is if you go to the vegan venture capital firms, the idea is hopefully you get a check. What happens in, in the end is even if you get close, then you go through this long, long vetting process and you can spend a lot of time and still end up with nothing. In fact, the person who was speaking said they invited 12 people, they, they made they were going to give money to 12 companies in the end, only six even took the offer. So that's a huge waste of time for founders to apply and all that. But anyway, back to the basics in the program, the way it's iterated now, we want founders who it's going to take some work. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not just a slam dunk. You're going to need to spend some time each week working on, selling your investment product, right? If you go to the offer, that's an investment product. And for a lot of people, it's like, wow, that's like almost a whole new business. And also the market for your investment product may or may not be the same as the market for your regular product and service. So we start with marketing. Okay, how are we going to reach enough people? And then we go through the various structures, valuation, and then any other leadership issues that come. So, you know, I would say if a person has got about $10,000 of, of float that they can play with and enough time, they'd be a good candidate for this program. Even though, you know, we, don't, we only charge $300 a month for the founder training, but they may need some bookkeeping. They may need a little bit of, le you know, so a little bit of legal work here or there. And then they may need some marketing. So we look and help them assess where are they strong, where are they weak, and what's it going to really take to raise money. And like I said, I've raised over, I've raised about five million dollars in my life, so I have a lot of understanding of how those transactions happen. Um, I did mention that we are we're launching a national project similar to SoFlow Vegans, but the goal is to connect different communities around the country and then do marketing for local businesses. Pretty much everything we're doing with SoFlow Vegans right now. And we have a good track record the last four years of working with plenty of businesses, both locally and nationally. So I'm in the process of putting that deck together. I have a few platforms that have reached out, but I'm wow. definitely going to be dipping into what you guys have to offer to see, you know, what is the potentiality of us being able to 
launch this much bigger project? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I, if you go to the founders page, it describes the program and, and there's a link to email with more questions. So obviously you can email me whenever you want and we can chat a little bit before you decide whether you want to spend the money. But basically, the you know, if you have a revenue model at all, you can, it, you can scale it by raising capital. So we would be looking at how you make money today and, and what's your growth plan. And, that's, and then the thing is, there's two ways to grow a company. One is bootstrapping. And bootstrapping is hard because you're trying to live off of the cash flow of something small. Or you raise capital and you invest in growth. You essentially are buying market share. Capital allows you to buy market share in a company like yours and build, you know, build the team and market. That's how you get to scale. Nothing can really scale without a more community approach. I mean, this capitalism is a communitarian concept. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm just like uh, tangentially. A lot of people think capitalism is bad. They're wrong. People are bad. Mm. There are bad people. That started a long time before capitalism. The capitalism, whether it's good or bad, it's what we got, you know? And if we, we can work on, somebody, some people work on making the system better. I like, it's like, look, this is what we got. You don't have to be a bad person to be a capitalist. And, it, and, and compared to a lot of other countries and a lot of other systems, we have a lot of latitude. So that's just a little mini thing for you to understand. But anyway, I'd be happy to spend some time. We'll just quickly go over your company, your, the way you make money, what kind of market size you think you can reach. That's the basics of raising capital. It's like, okay, we've done this well. Now we want to scale. We need money. And here you've got a public platform. That's perfect for raising capital from the people you know. We're working on getting our mailing list, turning them into educated activists who will then be ready to write those hundred dollar checks. Okay. More. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And more. I mean, a lot of people write thousand dollar checks, 10,000. You just got to be out in the market so they can find you. The problem is with private offers, no one can find each other unless you're already wealthy and you, you live in a golf club, you know, that's really been the problem all along is that after 1933, only the wealthy could raise money for their projects from other wealthy people that they already knew. That was the law. And then how, how long, like, let's say you get into the system and I'm starting to push it out to the people and what have you, how long before you have access to those? Well, you get access at the first 50,000. Okay. So it really depends on how big your, how, how, what kind of people, you know, really it's, I mean, We've had checks in, you know, we, we've raised capital for vegan launch. One check was $100,000. So it, it kind of, de it, it depends on who you know and how you're going to reach those people. So you have your own personal network and we'll look at that. And a lot of vegans don't have a lot of vegans in their personal network. Maybe it depends, you know, on how you went vegan. Uh, then you've got your, your market list, like your the whole SoFlow Vegans is a community of vegans. So that's good. Then we've got Vegan Launches community, which, like I said, you know, unfortunately, it's still kind of more of a mailing list than a fun. I mean, we 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 built a small community. It worked in my attempts to scale it. We had to we had to tinker with it. We're in the net. We're in the second iteration since then of because we had a revenue model in 2019. I, I literally stopped it in order to serve them better. 
And then beyond that, you've got the general public, Facebook marketing. And, you know, there, there are plenty of people raising millions of dollars from people that they don't know at all, but they're in the right demographic. It's really about how well you tell your story on your, your offering page. So those, you know, we'll look and see who's the market for your investment. What should you sell? And you get the first 50,000. You may only need 50,000 or maybe you need maybe you need a million. You know, we'll really look and see what it's going to take for you to fulfill your vision and also kind of chunk it out in steps. It's like, well, with the first 100,000, we're going to do ABC. And with the next 100,000, we're going to do, you know, EFG. And as people begin to understand, because for $100, you know, $100, they're going to waste that money anyway, some other way. You know, so it's really about, do they like your story? Does it look like you know what you're talking about? And are they willing to take a risk to let you go to the next level? And that's, I tell these stories on my YouTube channel, but I raised capital for the first iteration nowhere near enough. I needed five million. I only raised like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something, and I did the best I could with that. But there was just no way. And so one day I sent an email to all of the investors in the other company in the two thousands. I said, "Okay, you can you can write this one off. I can't go on. It's not working, and I'm out of energy." And two of the investors who didn't know each other, they called me independently and they were on the phone. They go, Mark, when we invested in you and they'd each put in $10,000, when we invested in you, we, we, we always knew you would fail. We were sure you would fail. I said, you're kidding me. This guy's George. I said, George, come on. I would have never taken your money if I had any doubt of my success. Mm. He said, no, we knew it wasn't going to work, but we wanted you to have the chance to move that ball as far as you could down the field. And if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here because I learned so much. Not only I'd learned finance, but I learned the very essence of success and failure from failing. I had never failed before. <laughs> it was like a wow. big failure for me. So that's what I'm saying. That's the attitude people have, especially vegans. They just don't, they never see any deals. They don't know how cool you are. You know, they have no idea how cool your project is. They don't know anything about you. Most people, most vegans, right, know nothing about you. That's going to change. And the beauty of this is that the marketing of the deal itself is marketing your company. That's a real advantage of public offers this way is because now you're out in front of the public selling your idea even before the idea is really ready. Whereas normally, if you raise money like through a venture capital fund, if you could, and I'm not saying don't apply to them, mm -hmm. but then that's all private money. So if you, you spend time just trying to talk to people quietly, the public never hears. You get a check, the public never hears. Now you're taking that money and you're using it on marketing. So that's linearly a much longer process. That's slowing down the rate of transformation in, in and of itself. It's the wrong capitalization model for a massive social change movement. We need public offers so everyone is bombarded with education about, okay, here's how we're gonna save the oceans. Here's how we're gonna save the forest. Here's how we're gonna transform healthcare. You know, here's how we're gonna rebuild the economy with, your, with what you're doing. People need to hear that at every occasion because you know everyone's bandwidth is like this now. It's gonna take a lot of messaging for people to click into a, 
a message that resonates with them and say, you know what? I like that. I'm going to put my life, either my life energy with the money or my actual life energy. I'm going to actually, maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get involved and volunteer to help inside our platform. You can set up a, like your project in the platform so that members can volunteer to help and like build a, like what I call a kitchen cabinet. You know, the president has this cabinet, the kitchen cabinet is like casual people who can join through the platform, join your project and get in a conversation with you to, to try to help you every which way to grow. In addition to, you know, the money's handled on WeFunder, but there's a lot of other things that we can do right in our platform. Like I said, it's like Facebook. We have our own groups that people can join. You can start, the founders can start their own group around their project. So, and then, you know, get, and then again, I say they can, we've, this week I'm finishing the course and next week I'll start really going back to our list and, and getting people into the platform. In fact, even if you want, we'll have, we're pretty soon we're going to have a, an affiliate program. You can even send your own, um, you know, your community, you could send them to vegan launch with recurring revenue. We've priced it at $30 and, and we're going to do a $10 a month referral fee. So you might be able to generate some recurring revenue that way. I don't want to make any promises, but we're doing everything we can to make it easy for the founders and the community to support themselves in this massive world economic transformation that we need, you know, peace-based animal loving economy. No, I would definitely be interested in that. And I'll, and I'll, I'll let you go on this, but, um, I am going to be reaching out to you. This is something that I've been dragging my feet on, but I've yeah. been in this situation with other communities that I've built where I start getting attention from some major brands, some sponsors, but I didn't know that next piece. I didn't know. And you kind of like, I really appreciate this conversation because one of the big takeaways that I got from everything that you said was, I'm paraphrasing, but the gist was like, I know now what I didn't know when I was at the position or at a point where I could have scaled because the traction was there. It's just, right. I didn't know that in order to get to that next step, I get to invest in to my business to gain additional market share and to build out the team. Whereas right. I just kept it going. It's like almost having, having a fancy sports car, but neglecting to put gas into the car and not realizing yeah, that I, it doesn't have gas. Bootstrapping is hard. Raising capital means a certain ability to be attentive to the investors. You know, it's, it's a different relationship when somebody writes, if somebody, you know, somebody gives you a $20 membership thing and they quit, it's like, okay. But if somebody writes you a hundred thousand dollar check or a million dollar check, it's like, you have a relationship now and how you manage that. Because I told you, we've gotten large checks. And the thing is you still are the leader. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's uh suddenly they put the money in and we want to, we all want somebody else. We, we all want daddy and mommy to do it for us. And you're, and the thing is when they invest in you, they want you to be that leader. They don't want to take over your company, but sometimes you have to be a little firm because especially with the more wealthy people, they're used to getting their way, you know, right. You show up with cash, you get your way in most of the world without having to ask too hard. So here you're still the leader of the company. And th these are hard lessons I've learned. These are the soft skills 
that I help impart to the founders because many of them would just do, you know, they meet a wealthy person. They say, oh, I think maybe we'll put a million dollars in, but how about you, you know, will you send us this and do that? And suddenly they're just totally diverted from their company. I have a whole video on that. And I say, look, you tell that guy, hey, you know what? Million dollars would be great. We love that. But for me to engage with you, look, I'm running this business. What size check can you write today while we build our relationship? And the answer is zero. You got to realize they don't care. It's hard because when somebody's flashing cash, I've seen that so many times that people just, they just suddenly, they lose their leadership, just deflates in the face of a big check. You've got to have that confidence. And knowing we can raise money from the general public, that takes away that whole, that's a scarcity mentality. Oh, I got to, I got to catch this one guy. I'm never going to get another opportunity. No, there's $3 trillion sitting out there. Let them go. And the thing is, when you say no to them, then they get excited, right? Like anybody. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, you know what? This is how I work. If you want to work with me, that's cool. Now you're a leader and they go, oh, the guy's guy or the woman, they got some leadership chops. They're not just going to flake. Yeah. Because if they're going to kiss my ass, what's going to happen when somebody bigger comes in with $2 million? They'll sell me out in a minute because these founders, they sell themselves out for the money. You can't do that. But anyway, that's, you know, um, these are kind of on the court strategies because those people will call and how you, you know, getting ready to be the leader of your economic world. And you're the la- you're the, you're the final arbiter of how this is going to go. Not them, you know, it's an attitude. And not everyone's ready, you know, that there's a development. You have to, you got to, it's like, okay, I am actually going to be the leader of this thing. I'm not going to fold and I'm going to walk away from bad money and bad people if necessary. But I give them methods to test. How's it here? How do you test if they're a good person or a bad person? You ask them, what kind of check can they write today? Like, hey, we're at lunch. What kind of check can you write today? $100, $50, I mean, $100, $1,000, $10,000. If, you, if you're talking a million, how about you write a check for 50,000 just so I know you're like a serious player. Otherwise, why should I be talking to you? If you can't write a check for 50,000 at the table, given what we're up to, just call, we'll call you when we're at a later round, when you need a little more handholding, when you need a little more safety, when you need more information, you know, and you tell that to a wealthy person. It's like, no one ever says that to them. And they need that. They need that. Cause we got to get people going vegan. Right? We can't yeah. have crazy people jacking the system just because they want to make more money and they don't want, you know, whatever. All right. That's a kind of a rant, but it, it's all about leadership in the end. And, but leadership in the nonprofit model is thwarted because the charity model just can't scale. Like when I started this in 2001, the entire globe environmental charities, they were, the budget of all of them combined was $2 billion a year. Back then, the single smallest Fortune 500 company was $3 billion in revenue. How can we possibly save the planet when there's 500 companies and more, all bigger than all the world's environmental groups combined? We were looking at the problem from the wrong lens. And once I started looking, I could see there's multi-billion dollar environmental projects. There's money to be made in taking care of the environment. It matters. Now, climate change... Like the whole world's real estate's going to be underwater if we don't do yeah. something. The thing is, what I realized if I went vegan is that the vegan paradigm, 
This is why it's vegan launch. It's not plant-based launch. It's vegan launch because giving animals their rights, the kind of economic transformation when people get that point is huge. It's much bigger than just going plant-based. And it's much more important. We have to make sure animals survive on this planet or we're not going to survive. So thank you for that. And what I want to do right now is give you an opportunity to share anything maybe we didn't discuss about your organization. Um, now would be your opportunity to you know, clue our listeners. Well, the main thing I want to share with listeners is that, you know, when we, it's, it's, we've all been asleep, right? I mean, there's very few people who call themselves vegan who were born into the vegan culture. And this is a, a crazy experiment. We're trying to change. I mean, human beings have been eating animals for a long time. And then with, uh, you know, agriculture and animal agriculture is about 12,000 years old. So that's a very deeply entrenched cultural concept. And here we're trying to change that. And then when we wake up and we go, oh my God, I can't believe we've been eating animals like what an idiotic thing to do as a human being, you know, we're frugivores primarily, maybe herbivores a little bit. So you wake up and you see so much suffering and a lot of uh, people, you know, a lot of vegans instantly get depressed. Um, I already worked through that as an environmentalist. There's plenty of bad news on that front to make you depressed. And the thing is, it's a very beautiful opportunity because you being unhappy doesn't help anybody. And what I'm here to deliver is this message that between the environmentalists and the vegans, we have $30 trillion. So anybody listening to this message is like, if you want to help reallocate that, join Vegan Lunch. And it's very reassuring to know we're not the victims ourselves. We who are listening to this, we who are in the West, you know, obviously there's people in the West who are suffering. There are poor people in the West, no doubt. But if you're able to listen to this podcast, you're, you're head and shoulders above most people in the world and your ability to, to change culture. So it's very easy when we get into these movements to absorb, you know, the animals are the victims, the trees are the victims, but we're not the victims. And I'm just saying, all we have the money, even we, you know, that's 30 trillion is a lot. We don't need hardly, you know, just a small fragment of that will change the whole economy. We don't need to spend all 30 trillion tomorrow. So if you want to help out, get involved. We've got the free training program, capitalism for activists. And suddenly now you'll know how to, how to really create the social change that you've been wanting and how to really build a, a new culture all together. You are listening to the SoFlo Vegans podcast with Sean Russell.
and improve the move well overdue it's true they want to hear that new type of a punk they want to snare in the thump they got a smell of the funk that's how we waking them up now we mopping the scene clean my team is supreme i'm rolling in green green you know what i mean i'm bringing a wherever i go go you know the mo bro we never lay low no 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 we on a mission to give them a little vision to listen to what I'm spitting. There's really no competition. I'm hitting them with the gift and the gab and the soul clap. We're taking back the vibe to original form. Keeping it live, back to the soul. Bringing the vibe back in the fold. I'm changing my mood, changing my groove, changing my views. Cause I want a new vibration. What you heard, fuck what you read On my leg or on my leg, I'm moving ahead Came with the antidote, got the hope for the dead Stay woke, what the fuck do I need with a bed? Stay slicing the loaf, yeah we breaking the bread Getting paid in gold, not paid in lead It's okay to approach, I am not a celeb I speak in quotes, so you repeat what I said I hope you're writing this down, and recording the sound Listen up, gather round, I'm about to announce New update, we gon' dominate, spread the fan base, rampage, kill a whole scene, someone bring the yellow tape, you eat the yellow tail, I'ma eat the plant base, I ain't chewing on a food with two eyes and a face, got a new attitude, gotta stay elevated, if somebody hate, let them hate, time to motivate, yeah, mood, I got a brand new attitude, got a whole new vibe, got a whole new vibe. I changed my views, changed the rules. I got a brand new attitude, got a whole new vibe. Got a whole new vibe. Got a brand new vibe. Vibe, 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 vibe. Got a brand new vibe. Vibe, 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 vibe. Got a brand new vibe. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. Feels like midnight in here. Oh my God, they playing drop in here. We got it from here. Go in with my low end theory in here. Get checks like a millionaire. Architect like Frank Gehry in here. Salvador Deli in here. On the plane back to Kelly in here. Kill it like Death Valley in here. Finish shit like Finelli in here. See ya. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Send ya. Good vibe, good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibe, good vibrations. This is good vibe, good vibrations. Got them good vibe, good vibrations. This is good vibe, good vibrations. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. I feel a vibe in here. I feel alive in here. thank mark winstein for joining us of course he's the founder of vegan launch and the song that you just heard was vibrations part one part two by the black eyed peas yes as 
most of you know will i am v gang he is vegan and very proud of it so we're glad that they're using their platform to spread the message and you are listening to the soul flow vegans podcast we are winding down season seven getting ready to start season eight and a big part of season eight is i want to have your voices on the show there's a lot of people who are listening to this and they've just gone vegan or they have a lot of cool things they're up to we want to hear from you guys so send us a message contact at soulflowvegans.com if you have a question you want to leave a comment we'll share some different ways that you can do that and most of all we just want to hear from you, you want to if you like the show let us know and if you have some ideas of guests or any segments that we can do we'd love to hear those as well and we'll make sure to give you a shout out so go to soulflowvegans.com slash podcast to hear previous episodes previous seasons and if you want to support our mission and what we're up to go to soulflowvegans.com slash support thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time today's episode was produced and edited by sean russell to become a sponsor please visit soflovegans.com promo for more details uh!